This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 6, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. What are insurgents and what is needed to defeat them? Cato foreign policy analyst Malou Innocent argues that fighting insurgencies is tricky and should only be undertaken when vital national interests are at stake. The insurgency in Iraq, she argues, doesn't qualify. An insurgent is essentially a guerrilla fighter who possesses technologically inferior weaponry when confronted with conventional military forces. But getting out of the gate, I must distinguish between the two types of insurgencies. There are national insurgencies and there are liberation insurgencies. A national insurgency is designed to weaken government control and legitimacy with the objective of reallocating power within the country, breaking away from the country, or forming an autonomous area. Some examples include the wars in Chechnya, wars in the former Yugoslavia, and the Greek civil wars of the 1950s. A liberation insurgency, on the other hand, is when indigenous groups seek to expel, overthrow, and occupying power. So examples would include the French experience in Algeria, uh, both the French and American experiences in Vietnam, and the current war in Iraq. But it's important to mention that And when any country is experiencing a large amount of civil disorder and unrest, there could be many different things going on all at once. There can be an insurgency, ethno-sectarian conflict, a civil war, criminal violence, vengeance seeking. So it can get quite complicated. But in general, when any nation is undergoing vast amounts of civil unrest, there is an underlying element of insurgency. There seem to have been several opportunities to suppress or prevent an insurgency in Iraq. The invasion could have sent in a great many more troops, and there were several requests for troops after the invasion. When should efforts at preventing or stopping an insurgency have begun? Well, there are problems from the very beginning. Uh, Generally speaking, a lot of people would agree that Iraq was uh, a war of choice. It was never in our vital interest to engage in Iraq. But even if we set that aside, if we said, okay, Iraq wasn't our vital interest, what went wrong? Um, Essentially what went wrong was the RMA, the Revolution of Military Affairs, that was strongly advocated by former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld. He was known personally as kind of a combative gentleman who was deeply contemptuous of the military bureaucracy at the Pentagon. And he wanted to dramatically overhaul the way the United States fought wars. And so The RMA was essentially uh, an increased reliance on air power, precision-guided munitions, light and highly mobile ground forces, and a decreased reliance on big battalions and heavy armored combat vehicles. And this was actually supposed to engage the United States in very quick and nimble campaigns, uh, just launching various decapitation strikes possibly throughout the region. Uh, And that's exactly what it produced. Saddam was toppled within a matter of weeks. Unfortunately, the rapidity of the victory and the lack of manpower on the ground meant that the United States wasn't adequately prepared for post-combat stability operations. There was criminal violence, the insurgency ensued, and the rest is history. What are the parallels between the insurgency in Iraq and lessons that the United States learned in Vietnam? Oh, well, the thing is, uh, I think the preeminent... uh, 
person right now in counterinsurgency doctrine right now would be John Nagel and Thomas Hames. They've essentially assessed that since Vietnam, we've kind of thrown out all the counterinsurgency literature, unfortunately. But now we're trying to regroup ourselves. Now that we have a commander of uh, forces in Iraq right now, General David Petraeus, we've instituted a lot of counterinsurgency tactics now. Um, that, again, you can boil down into three main categories. The first goal of counterinsurgency is protecting the population and gaining their support. Support not only in the form of sympathy and approval, but also in the active participation in the fight against insurgents. Uh, one way to do that is by rallying the active minority of inhabitants who are favorable to counterinsurgents, which can thereby uh, help gain the support of the neutral majority and help neutralize and uh, essentially eliminate the hostile minority. The second goal is gaining intelligence. Uh, intelligence is crucial for gaining information on insurgents, and intelligence must come from the indigenous population. The thing is, the population won't talk unless they feel protected, and they won't feel protected unless the insurgents' power has been broken. So the first two strategies are intertwined. The third point of counterinsurgency is uh, much different than in a conventional war, and this has to deal with the tactics, applying a tactful approach for counterinsurgency. Um, and like a conventional war, where you'd essentially want to eliminate the adversary, conquer his territory, and destroy his military forces, the difference in counterinsurgency is that the insurgents hold no territory. They're everywhere and nowhere at the same time, and they can easily melt back into the population. So counterinsurgency warfare is actually an exercise in restraint. Uh, counterinsurgents wouldn't want to employ tactics that are calculated to inflict a high casualty rate because it becomes counterproductive. Uh, one popular example would be that you wouldn't use a sledgehammer to kill a fly. Same thing applies in counterinsurgency. If you apply overwhelming firepower to kill 10 insurgents, you create the collateral damage that could possibly lead to the recruitment of 50 more insurgents. So again, it requires a tactful approach. Power must be used precisely and discriminately, and essentially our strategy and our forces must comport to the enemy we're fighting. And David Galula, the, who was the father of counterinsurgency, he said it's extremely difficult for counterinsurgents to do this because it's essentially a giant trying to fit into a dwarf's clothing. So from the outset, it's very difficult to even fight insurgencies. Lessons from Vietnam aside, what should we learn from this insurgency? I think the critical lesson we should take away from Iraq is to not engage in conflicts unless they are for our vital interests. Um, also, what's unfortunate is that the future direction of U.S. defense strategy and military force structure is geared almost exclusively to traditional military challenges and conventional deterrence. It's not handled to deal with irregular warfare or uh, insurgents, loosely organized networks of terrorists in, in that regard. And when I say insurgents that engage in protracted warfare, I mean extremely protracted. Uh, the British fought in Malaya for 12 years, the Sandinistas in Nicaragua for 18 years, uh, the Chinese communists for 27 years, the Vietnamese for 30 years, the Palestinians for 40 years. So both national and liberation insurgencies require a great deal of time, decades if not more. Uh, so especially when it comes to liberation insurgencies, we have to ask ourselves as the occupying power whether or not it's in our vital interest to continue. For Iraq, it's not. Malou Innocent is a foreign policy analyst for the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. If you haven't already, take a moment to visit the newly redesigned Cato website at cato.org.